It is good to see you all. We greet you in the wonderful and gracious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we certainly honor the presence of the Lord here. It is so good to see so many faces that I haven't seen in so long. And uh, we're very, very grateful and certainly honor your pastor, my brother, my dear friend, Pastor Lance and his lovely wife, Lady Susie, and all of the family. I call their daughters my nieces. They call me uncle, so they're nieces. And uh, we thank God for them so very much as they are resting and rejuvenating. And again, it is a joy to see all of you. Bring you greetings from the Center of Praise Ministries and the family there as they're gathering in their three celebrations this morning. Uh, they're a little bit upset with y'all because I don't go anywhere on Sundays hardly. So I told them, well, too bad. This is family too. And, uh, and I call you all family with great, great love and great care. So thank God for you. Are you ready for the word? Yes. Praise God. Let's see what God's word has for us today. Father, we thank you for, again, your beloved and my dear ones that have gathered here in the house of the Lord. And we thank you, Lord God, that you would give us clarity of thought, continuity of thinking, and accuracy of the text. Help your servant to teach in such a way that even a child would be able to understand and embrace the wonderful revelation and truth that is given through the sacred text. And Holy Spirit, we welcome you to do whatever you want to do, however you want to do it. Thank you that you're here right now to meet the needs of the people. We shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So, Lord, we bless you and give you glory in Jesus' name. And everyone say amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Open your Bibles with me, if you will, please, to Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12. And we are continuing the series that uh, you all have embarked upon entitled Discovering God. The focus being primarily out of the book of Exodus, and uh, I've just been so honored to be invited to come and tag team along with the pastors, uh, Pastor Brian and uh, Pastor Judah and others, certainly our pastor, Pastor Lance, to tag team along here and expound upon what we see happening in a time past, but it really reflects what is happening in our lives right now. And uh, I was thinking about this because this being the 4th of July uh, weekend, and uh, I know many of us are in the midst of plans and doing some things this weekend, possibly after service today or certainly on tomorrow. And I was reflecting upon the fact that uh, not many days, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, those of us primarily who are in the African-American community and others but primarily those of the African-American community, we took time to observe what is referred to as Juneteenth, the Juneteenth observance, which is for uh, African-Americans in this country, it is held to the highest equivalence or the same equivalence as the, uh, July the 4th would be. It reflects upon a time in which an announcement was provided by uh, General Gordon Granger, actually on June 19th in 1865, in which he went into the territory of Texas and announced two years after the signing of the Emancipation Proclamation that those who were enslaved, notice my terminology, enslaved, 
I do not say slaves because they did not come uh, or they were not slaves prior to being brought here. They were enslaved. And so those who were enslaved uh, under the Emancipation Proclamation, it was announced in 1863 at the signing of that proclamation that those who were enslaved were set free. Unfortunately, word had not gotten to Texas. And uh, so two years later, uh, General Granger brought word that those who are enslaved have been set free. Obviously, there were possibly some uh, restrictions. They didn't have, uh, you know, no one could text it. Uh, it wasn't a matter of it being emailed. But apparently, again, uh, when this word was delivered, then ultimately, four million, four million enslaved people were given an opportunity to understand you are now free. And uh, I was telling someone, uh, actually I told several people last night uh, that uh, that is not as far distant from us and most certainly from me as one could imagine because my great-grandmother, my great-grandmother, not my great-great-grandmother, my, my father's grandmother, which would be my great-grandmother, was born as an enslaved woman in 1860. I know you're trying to put it together. My grandfather, my father's father, was the youngest of his siblings, and he died in 1982. I knew him. I actually, he lived with us for a while. And he died at the age of 114. So that's how close it is for me. I, I can only hope that I have his genes. <laughs> I just turned 60 uh, a few months ago, and I said, Lord, if you could bless me to live that long and live healthy as he did. But yet, uh, I, I look at that, and so the commemoration of Juneteenth was a, a time of reflection for me. It was a time of reflecting what those individuals might have been experiencing upon hearing the news that they were indeed free. I can pretty much imagine that not only was there exuberance, but there was anxiety because, dear hearts, where would they go? These people who had been enslaved all of these years, some born in this nation enslaved. What would they do? On one hand, you're excited. On one hand, you're exuberant. On one hand, you are, uh, you know, I'm out of here. But then on the other hand, how would you live life from this day forward? What would be that which would present itself out in face of all of the obstacles that were in front of them? Likewise, the Hebrews, those whom we're studying today, the Hebrews experience a very similar challenge. Going into unfamiliar, living into the unknown, walking out into the future. It can be exciting and exuberant, but at the same time, it can be somewhat discombobulating. 
at times can be filled with anxiety, reluctance at times to move forward because you're so used to being held back. The door is open, but how do I step through that door? What awaits me as I step through that door? So, the Hebrews, Pastor Judah did an excellent job these last two weeks of walking us through the various things that God would allow to happen while they were there in Egypt, the plagues, and ultimately the ultimate sacrifice of blood being shed, denoting the Passover, and denoting that, that now something's about to happen. Everything has been put in place to move forward. And Moses would face this challenge with the Israelites that despite all that they would be looking at, at I might add, staggering proportions, leading two million people through the most inhospitable terrain of the planet, leaving one traumatizing situation only to face hostile resistance. How do you find your way through the wilderness? How do you listen and go forward and you're not quite sure where you're going? Freedom. Free indeed. But how do I live this out? What do I do? I want you, if you will, to take your notes that you have in front of you or your bulletin that you've received, and this is your fill-in. You might want to just jot these three words in, if you will, please. When the sun, S-O-N, when the sun sets us free, we are free indeed. When the sun sets us free, we are free Indeed. What we're going to find out as we look through this today is that what is observed is what is remembered. What is observed is what we remember. The process, the process of, of moving into the fullness of freedom and navigating this newfound freedom, navigating what it means to be free indeed, calls for remembering by observing, looking around you and observing something as to remembering. Let's look here, if we will, and uh, I'm going to pick it up here in verse 12 and verse 14, or chapter, excuse me, chapter 12 and verse 31. Chapter 12 and verse 31. Let's pick it up there, if we will. Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron by night and said, Up, go out from among my people, both you and the people of Israel, and go serve the Lord as you have said. Take your flocks, your herds, this is Pharaoh speaking, as you have said, and be gone and bless me also. Now notice here that Pharaoh says, uh, go and leave and serve the Lord. He's not denoting here that he is a believer in the Lord. He has not acknowledged the Lord as a believer. He's acknowledging the Lord simply because Moses has said, the Lord said, let my people go. So he says, so 
go and serve the Lord as you have said. And take your flocks, take your herds, and get up out of here. And notice in the verse 33, the Egyptians were urgent with the people to send them out of the land in haste. For they said, we shall all be dead. Notice here the urgency that is going on. It's as though Pharaoh is saying, if I may use my vernacular, Pharaoh is saying, get your stuff, get all of your stuff, and get out of here. Go. And, and you, you, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. That's the mentality. You cannot stay here. And there's such an urgency that by the time we look at chapter 13, as we uh, peruse the synopsis of nearly four chapters that I'm going to give you this morning. Wow. But trust me, I'm not going to read four chapters. Damn. We're going to go through it as a synopsis. But what is fascinating to me is that by the time we get to chapter 13, there is the establishing, the establishing, the, the, the focus of the Feast of Unleavened. And the Feast of Unleavened Bread was to denote that when God spoke to Moses and told the children of Israel to come out of Egypt and to leave, they were to do so in haste. They were not to waste time. In fact, they were to move so fast that any of the dough that they were using to make bread, they were not to wait and to allow it to rise. It had to stay unleavened. That's how fast they had to move. But it also denoted something spiritually. It denoted that when you get up out of Egypt, I don't want you to take Egypt with you. When I bring you out of bondage, I don't want you to take bondage with you. When I free you, I want you to know, children, you are truly free. Don't take their ways. Don't take their culture. Don't take the things that possibly you have assimilated because it is possible to be bound so long that you assimilate the values and the concepts and the mindset of your captives, of your oppressors. It is possible that you can be around people so long that you walk like them, talk like them, think like them, and still, still have values that you and, and beliefs that you are receiving, but all of a sudden it becomes conflictual because I know what I believe or whom I believe but at the same time I'm around so much that my thoughts my ways my thinking is much like those who are around me those I work with those I live with those that are in my Community. It is possible to talk freedom in here and live bound out there. It is possible, children, to declare that you are free but not know that you are truly free indeed. Can I tell you something, if I may just jump ahead here, is that when you 
are free in Christ, he doesn't halfway do anything. When you have truly experienced relationship, I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about relationship with your creator. You know, can I say it like this? You know that you know that you know you're free. Are you here? I tell people all the time, my worst day in Christ, my worst day in the kingdom is better than anything that I ever lived in the world. I'm glad I'm saved. I'm glad I'm serving Jesus. I'm glad that, as the old saints used to say, I'm on the Lord's side. In the days we live in, the line is being drawn, and you want to make sure that you're on the Lord's side. What is observed is what is remembered. Four observations during these periods of what I call the spiritual exodus and deliverance that we must make. Four observations, four things that we want to remember. Number one, write this down. The Lord determines timing of purpose. The Lord determines timing of purpose. Whatever God has purpose for his children, he determines the timing of it. 400 years of bondage. 400 years of being enslaved by the oppressor. But now God says, it's time to go. Get your stuff. It's time to go. And God allows this timing to take place in such a way that when he does it, it throws everybody. I was sharing with the people at Center of Praise last week that God just has a way of flipping and flopping and changing everything and shifting everything in our lives. Because he wants us to know it has little to do with what you want or what I feel. When God gets ready to move us into our purpose and our timing, we just have to step in it, children. We have to step in it. When I think about the things that I've tried to orchestrate in my life, Timing, things that I thought, if I do this, this will happen. If I do that, this will happen. It appears to me that God has a way of messing up all of my plans. And when he messes it up, some way, somehow, it always end up, it ends up being exactly what it needed to be in the first place. So I've just learned to do a Proverbs 3 on a whole bunch of stuff. Acknowledge the Lord in all of my ways and not lean to my own understanding. And the Lord directs my path. The old saints used to say like this when I was growing up in the church. We used to have a little woman in our church years ago when I was growing up. She was in her 80s and she used to always sing this song. She used to say, you've got to move. You've got to move. You've got to move. 
You've got to move when the Lord gets ready. You've got to move. And we sit there and I say, I guess I better move. <laughs> what was she saying? What were the saints saying? They says, when God gets ready to shift and to move things into purpose, into purpose, listen, not even so much into desire, not even so much into what we want, not so much even what we think is comfortable, but what Watch me. What brings forth the purposes of God, when God gets ready, even your strongest oppressor has got to let you go. Why is this? If you look down in chapter uh, 13 and verse 14, I like what this passage says. And when it is time to come, your son or your daughters, when they ask you, what does this mean? What does this mean that we were oppressed and now all of a sudden we are set free and now we're walking into the land of promise? When the time comes and your children ask you, what does this mean? You shall say to them, by a strong hand, the Lord brought us out of bondage from the house of slavery. You and I walking into our freedom, true freedom, being free indeed, it is not just about you. It is tied to every generation that is connected to you. The freedom that I walk in today, the freedom that I live in today is directly tied to my son, my daughter, my granddaughter. So I don't have time to play church. I don't have time to go through little games and Come and just do rituals. Whatever I do, it's got to mean something. Whatever I do when I come in here, my passion for worship must be intense. I, I don't have the luxury of crossing my leg, folding my arms, and rolling my eyes. When I come in here to hear the word of God, I don't have the luxury of just sitting and saying, that was a nice sermon. I am soaking in God's word and his spirit, renewing my mind, being transformed by the Holy Spirit because every blessing that is attached to me is attached to the generations that follow me. What is observed is what will be remembered. The other day, my son called me at 1 o'clock in the morning, which he never does. Never calls me at 1 o'clock in the morning. It was unusual because he's a mama's boy. He likes to talk to his mama. Now, he'll talk to me, but he really opens up with his mom, my wife. So I get this text. And... Uh, you have to understand why I appreciate the text that I received because we've been praying for my son who is 24 years old. And he, although he acknowledged the Lord when he was 18, he has not been walking with the Lord. And so my wife and I have been praying for him and we've been trusting God to bring him into relationship and to fellowship with him. And about uh, five years ago, 
My wife and I had traveled to Tulsa, Oklahoma for a wedding, and we stopped by Oral Roberts University, which is one of my alma maters, and there's a lady there named Sheree who teaches there, and Sheree uh, works in uh, one of the uh, departments as an educator, and I stopped by to see her. I hadn't seen her in many, many years, and we started talking, you know, all the things, how you doing, and all of that. And while I was talking to her, uh, my wife began to share with her, uh, keep our son in prayer because he's not walking with the Lord and we're concerned. What is observed is what will be remembered. And Sheree stopped, and as though... She just stopped us in our tracks of our conversation because we were just kind of lamenting. You know, when you're concerned about something, even worried about something, you tend to just kind of go off and start giving all the details. And we do the same with God when we pray, don't we? Many times we'll, when we're concerned or worried, we'll start rattling off all that's going on as though God doesn't know. <laughs> as though we're giving God extra information. And so she stopped us in the middle of the conversation. And she said, wait, 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 wait. She says, first of all, and it was almost, not almost, it was clearly prophetic, a true gift of the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom operating through her, through the Holy Spirit. Nothing that could have come out of her mind, it had to come through her spirit to her mind and out of her mouth. And she says to us, she says, first of all, the Lord told, us, told me to tell you, don't worry. Don't worry. Everything you have modeled and poured out before him, he will remember. Then she said, and I'm telling you by the Holy Spirit that by the time he turns 24, very specific, by the time he's 24, you're going to begin to see a shift and a change in his thinking. And we received that word. Now, I wish I could tell you that between the time she told us that and age 24, that everything was looking good, everything was positive, everything was giving us true indication. Because, see, we, many times God will give us a word, and we want all types of words in between that say, it's going to happen, it's going to happen, it's going to happen, it's going to happen. But sometimes you're the only voice that's saying that everything around you will tell you, I don't know how this is going to happen. I don't know how this is going to take place. But all y'all, he just celebrated his birthday. And the night before last, when I got that text, here's what he said in the text. He said, Dad, I want to understand what is God's purpose for my life. Oh, my God. I don't know who that's encouraging today because somebody is praying for somebody. And all you have is a word from the Lord that it's going to be all right and just calm down. Just wait. That may be all that you have. And everything in between will lead you to believe it cannot happen. What we observe, we will remember. The Lord determines timing and purpose. I came to tell you, Bridgeway, God has determined your purpose and your timing. I came to tell you, stop stressing. I came to tell you, calm down. 
and watch God work. Second, second observation during periods of spiritual exodus and deliverance. The Lord, write it down, the Lord determines the provision needed within our restoration. The Lord determines the provisions that we need in the process of restoration. Look what it says in chapter 12 and verse 35. It says, the people of Israel had also done as Moses told them. So they asked the Egyptians for silver and gold, jewelry, and for clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they let them have what they asked. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. Not only did they move in a hurry, but they took some goods with them. They took some goods with them. And in the process of taking the goods, it wasn't a matter of them stealing it. When it says they plundered the Egyptians, it wasn't a matter of them stealing it. They went to the Egyptians and said, we're getting ready to go, but we're going to need this and this and this. And the Egyptians had favor on them. They said, you can take this and take, and here, take this too. When God guides you in the process of your wilderness or your exodus or your deliverance. When he guides you through it, children, I want you to know he will provide for you. He will provide for you. While you're going through that health situation, while you're going through the surgery, while you're going through all of the treatments, while you're going through all of those things, we serve a God who will guide you and he'll provide for you in the midst of what you're facing. Amen. He'll give you favor. He'll give you favor. He'll give you the right surgeon to work on your case. He'll give you the right physician, the right lab technician to look at your lab report. He'll give you the right technician to observe your x-rays. God, some way, somehow, children, I don't know how he does it, but he keeps putting people and things in place right where I need it because I don't know where I'm going. I know I'm free, but I don't know what's ahead of me. And God says, just trust me with the vision. I'll give you provision. I'll provide for you. He's providing for you right now. There are some things you don't even recognize that God is working behind the scenes. While you're sitting up worrying about it all night, God says, I already got this. And I am making provision for you. Look down at uh, chapter 13 and verse 20. Chapter 13 and verse 20. And the Hebrews moved on from Succoth and encamped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness, and the Lord went before them by a day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. In other words, God kept them moving. He kept them moving. And notice here that uh, in verse 22, the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart before the people. The word pillar there literally means something standing, something standing. That's what the word pillar or column means. It means that in the midst of coming out of Egypt, in the midst of coming out of bondage into the unknown, something standing was with them. 
Now, I don't know about you. I need to know something is standing with me, or rather, someone is standing with me when everything seems to be falling apart around me. That's good news to me. The pillar of cloud, the pillar of fire to guide me, to lead me, something standing. And it says that it did not depart from them day or night. Can I tell you, he'll never leave you and he'll never forsake you. I've had friends walk out on me. I've had colleagues walk out on me. I have family walk out on me. But the Lord is still standing with me. Hallelujah. Come on and bless him right there. He is still standing with me. I need to know that. Because I've gone into some uncharted territory so many times, and I'm so glad that the Lord has been with me. So the Lord, he determines the timing of purpose. The Lord determines the provision needed during this time of restoration. Here's the third one. The Lord determines the route of the process. The Lord determines the route of the process. Notice what it says in chapter 13, and verse 17. Then Pharaoh let the people go. God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although it was near or closer. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness towards the Red Sea or the Sea of Reeds. And the people of Israel went out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. There are times... Look at me, children. There are times that God will lead us in the Exodus, the roundabout way. There's a reason for that. Had the children of Israel gone the northern route, it would have gotten them there quicker. But they would have ran into a garrison of soldiers among the Egyptians who were guarding the northern border. So God says, go southeast, and they're heading southeast. And as they're going there, Notice here, God then says, no, 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 go directly south. I'm going to take you away. That this is the way that you're to go, not the way you think you should go, not the way that MapQuest told you to go, but the way I am leading you. This is the direction you are to go. And you would think like Pharaoh in the natural. Pharaoh in the natural thought, they are confused. <laughs> Look at them. They are so lost in the wilderness that they are confused. But God is setting everything up because God just has an interesting way. I have found this out. He has an interesting way of making your enemy think that he or she knows. And God will set it up in such a way that God will bring you and I into a place of, watch me, the wilderness where our full dependency is upon him. There is a place in God, your walk, regardless of how long you've known Jesus, no matter how long you've walked with the Lord, there is a place in the Lord that he will bring you to a place of soul full dependency, that it will be as though, watch me now, that you've got your adversary behind you. That's Pharaoh. And you've got the Red Sea in front of you. And all you can do, the only option, is call on the Lord because the other option is to go back and die in bondage. That's what happened with the Hebrews. They're standing there in the middle. They're standing there in the middle, and they're walking, 
and they're leading, being led by Moses and led by the Spirit of God guiding them. And now all of a sudden, Pharaoh's heart is hardened, and Pharaoh is behind them, and they're looking, and in front of them is the Sea of Reeds. How are we going to get across this water? This water is insurmountable. This, this obstruction, how will we move forward? I know that God said, there's a promise for me, but how do I move past the obstacle? in order to embrace the promise. How do I move past the obstacle in order to receive my healing? How do I move past the obstacle in order to see my family whole and my marriage healed? How do I move past the obstacle to know that God will provide food on my table? God will take care of me, though I've been laid off from my job. How do I move past the obstacle even with my past? in hot pursuit of me. Pharaoh, in hot pursuit. Can I tell you something? The Lord is the one who determines the route of the process. And if he has determined the route of the process, you better hear me today, you will not be defeated. If the Lord has determined the way that you should go, you won't be defeated. It'll look like it. It'll look like everything's falling apart. But if the Lord is guiding you, children, you will not be defeated. I love the fact that the latter part of that verse says, and the people of Israel went up and out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. Can I tell you something? The reason why the Lord has you out there between, watch me, between promise and bondage, slavery and promise, the reason we are in this in-between state, this in-between, I don't have the full promise yet, but I'm not where I used to be. I'm not in the bondage any longer, but I, I'm not into the place of the full promise yet. So it has posed some anxiety for me. It has posed some frustration for me. The reason God keeps you in that place, children, hear me, is so that he can strip us of ourselves. He strips me of me so that all I can say is yes to God. All I can say, Lord, you've got to guide me. That's what's going to get your Red Sea opened. That's what's going to get the obstacle moved, is when you stand there and say, Lord, if it's going to happen, you've got to do it. Job 23.10 says, but he knows the way that I take. When he has tried me, I shall come forth as pure gold. Oh, children, I want him to purge me and purify me so that I can step into the fullness of what he has. Here's the last observation, the last and fourth one. The Lord determines the final outcome of our adversaries. Chapter 14 and verse 4 says, And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh. And all of his hosts and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And they did so. Notice in the verse 10, in that same chapter, when Pharaoh drew near, 600 chariots strong, by the way, 
in addition to footmen that would follow with him. The people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them. Notice that they've got the promise in front of them, but their adversaries in pursuit. It's one thing for your past to be behind you. It's another thing for your past to be pursuing you. Notice here, they were marching after them. They feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, fear not and stand firm. Isn't it amazing, children, that God can set you free, but you don't know that you're free? Isn't it amazing that the true test of how free you are is when you're in the midst of your back being against the wall? It's one thing. For you to rejoice in here and say, I'm free. Wee. But it's another thing. When you get that phone call, when you get that text, when you look and hear something that will try to throw you off, it's another thing when you experience that. But here's the word of the Lord, just like Moses said to the children of Israel, fear not. Can I tell you something? I came to tell you. Bishop Lovelace came to tell you today. Fear not. Stand firm. Stand, I mean, stand firm. Even if you're shaking, look like you're firm. <laughs> stand firm. Stand firm. Even though you don't know in your natural mind how all of this is going to work out, Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord. What you observe is what you'll remember. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you. Can I just be real specific like Moses? Which he will work for you today. Oh, no, no, no. I didn't say next week. I didn't say next year. My faith came to tell you what he will work in you today. God is working today. God is moving today. God is healing today. God is delivering today. He is breaking addictions today. He is giving joy today. He is giving peace today. He is restoring today. 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 The Egyptians you see today, you shall see no longer, never again. And see, what's funny to me, the Egyptians were following. You, if, if, if you didn't read the story, you, you saw the movie. <laughs> you saw the movie. They go into the sea. The sea opens up. Moses stretches out his staff. The children of Israel, two million strong, took them forever to get across. But they're moving across, y'all. I mean, young and old men and women and children. And they're moving across. And the Egyptians and all of their might go in after them. How crazy is that? The Egyptians thought the sea opened up for them. Be careful. Be careful when you try to walk in somebody else's anointing. 
Be careful when you try to come after God's folks. And notice here, beloved, it opened it up, and then God allowed the waters to come back. Four observations. Four observations. The Lord determines timing of purpose. The Lord determines the provision that is needed for the journey. The Lord determines the route of the process. And the Lord determines the final outcome of our adversaries. They were destroyed as the water came back on them. And God brought his people across on dry ground. Write this down, if you will, please, just these passages, John 8, 31 through 32. Embracing true freedom, free indeed, free indeed, true freedom. Uh, my children would say like this, free for real, <laughs> free for real. It's going to require, hear me now, obedience, trust, and discernment. You're out of bondage, but you're not quite at the promise yet. You're out of bondage, but there's still some things God wants to reveal to you. So in the process, you've got to trust him. In the process, you've got to obey him. In the process, you have to discern what the Lord is doing. Because truly, he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And I like the fact, and I close with this, I like the fact that when God brought him across, the first thing, I like this part, first thing that Moses did is he started praising God. When God brought him across, he started singing a song. In fact, he wrote this song. You see it in chapter 15, verse 1. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang the song of the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider has been thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. He starts praising and magnifying God. Because when you see God work, when you see God do what he does, you can't sit there with your mouth shut. When you see how God, there's somebody up in here, you know God has been good to you. You know God has provided for you. Gas prices all up all over the place. Food prices up all over the place. But God keeps putting gas in the car. He keeps putting food on the table. He keeps providing shelter for you. He keeps putting clothes on your back. Somebody in this house ought not look cute today. You better give God a high praise because he has been good to us. I said he has been good to us. Hallelujah. I will sing to the Lord. And then Miriam, his sister, she turns around and she starts adding on to the song. In fact, she gets a tambourine. She gets a tambourine. And she starts singing to the Lord. And she sings to the Lord. And this is what she's saying there in chapter 15 and verse 20. Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider have been thrown in it. Take a look at all the carcasses on the edge of the sea. Look what God has done in delivering us. This tambourine I'm holding in my hand, by the way, belonged to a young man that I met in 1983 as a medical social worker in Tulsa, Oklahoma. 
he was one of the first people diagnosed with HIV AIDS, full-blown AIDS, before they really knew what it was. And I was assigned to be his social worker. And I seen uh, pictures of him around town, so I knew who he was because he used to be a performer and he was known for his acting and dancing and things to this effect. And part of his show was that he had a tambourine that he would play as part of his act. And uh, he was in the hospital. I saw him in the hospital. They sent him home. I was asked to do a home study. By this time, all his little blonde hair was falling out. His little blue eyes were hazing over. He was really going through a rough time. And he was struggling because he had just rededicated his life to the Lord. He grew up in the church. Grew up in the church, but got away from the things of God. And as he got away from the things of, the, of God, he ended up finding himself back in Egypt, back in bondage. But he rededicated his life to the Lord. As sickness and disease came in the process, he said, I, I, I've got to make sure that my heart is right with God. I want to make sure that I serve the Lord whatever amount of days I have. So I'll never forget going to his house, and I was sitting in his house, and he lived in this little house in North Tulsa, and I went there to do my home study, and my home study ended up being a revival. While I'm sitting there, he says, Parnell, I want you to listen to my music. And I said, what music are you going to listen to? And he started putting on country. I said, please take it off. <laughs> but he put on his country music. And then he changed the album, and he put on an old Jimmy Swagger record. And he started singing with the music. And he said, wait a minute, wait a minute, watch this part now. And he runs over to the closet, and he reaches up and grabs this tambourine. And he takes the tambourine, and he starts singing with the music. And he starts going like this. He set me free, oh, he set me free. He took the bonds of sinning from me. I glorify my Jesus, you see. Praise the Lord, he set me free. That's what he began to say. Then he handed it to me. I don't like country, and I don't like Jim. I don't mind Jimmy Swagger. I just don't like his voice. <laughs> and he says, sing along with me, Parnell. And I took the tambourine. He set me free. Oh, he set me free. He took the bond of sinning from me. I glorify my Jesus, you see. Praise the Lord, he set me free. And then he turned around, and as I handed the tambourine back to him, he said, no, I want you to keep it. Because every time you play it, I want people to know how God could take a life that was bound and set it free. Indeed. Stand to your feet all over the room. Stand to your feet all over the room. Let me pray with you. He whom the Son sets free, children, is free indeed. Whatever's going on, 
Know that you have been brought out of bondage. Psalm 81.10 says, I am the Lord God who has brought you out of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. Fill it with what? Fill it with praise. Fill it with glory. The one who is standing with you, even in the midst of the most difficult period of your life, you've not been this way before. You've not experienced anything like this before. He says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm going to be right here with you. Lift those hands. Lift those hands. Listen as Rayon sings this to you and just let it minister to you. Lift those hands. Lift those hands. Yeah. and open those mouths. Because I am loved by you, I thank you right now for all throughout this auditorium, in every seat, in every corner, from front to back, from side to side, you are the one who has determined the timing of our purpose. And Lord, I thank you. You've determined the provision that we're going to need for the journey. And Father, you have determined, you have determined, God, that whatever we need, you have already provided. The enemy is already defeated. Thank you. Depression has no hold on me. Fear has no hold on me. Addiction has no hold on me. I am delivered by the power of a mighty working God. So, Lord, touch, heal, and deliver. Do what you do best, God, and that is be God amongst your people. Show them God. 
with your outstretched arm that the enemy that we've seen today we shall see no longer in the mighty name of Jesus and we give you praise we give you glory like Moses and like Miriam we decree and declare the Lord has triumphed gloriously and the horse and the rider is thrown into the sea give God the best praise you can give him don't panic come on don't panic come on give him praise I got to go because I'm preaching myself happy now. Glory to God. Turn around and look at somebody and say, something good's going to happen for you. It's already happening. The prayer team is coming. They're going to be standing here in the front. If you need prayer or anything, we can agree with you. Come forward and let the prayer team pray for you. Get on up out of here and love the Lord. God bless you as you go.